0: Can good news? I'm sorry. Can bad news be good news? He didn't think so. Not at first, anyways. His stomach had been hurting for a, a couple weeks whenever he ate, and so he finally decided, you know what, I need to go into the doctor just to make sure everything is okay. And so there he sat in the doctor's office. He, he had his scans done, uh, and he was waiting to receive the results. Again, he was sure it was nothing. Uh, He sure he was overreacting, but it's better to be safe than sorry. And so there he sat. When the doctor came in and said, I've got bad news. You have colon cancer. Bad news filled his heart. Uh, Anger, frustration, confusion, wondering what was next. Nobody likes to hear bad news, especially when it comes to your health. And and that's why a lot of times people avoid the doctor, because they don't want to hear the bad news. They don't want to go on medication. They don't want to see what's wrong with them. No news is good news. Let's keep it away. And yet, because of the scan, because of that bad news, they were able to come up with a treatment plan, and they did surgery, they removed the cancer, they went through chemo, and it saved his life. Can bad news be good news? Absolutely. That's an example of it. What was bad news turned into good news because of the scan was done and they were able to diagnose it and come up with that plan to save his life. And he's still alive today. Can bad news be good news? Yes. And I'm glad we're all in agreement because as we continue our walk through the book of Romans, today is bad news. I'm going to warn you up front, this is a brutal section of Scripture. It's not fun to walk through because it's all bad news. And yet, I'm going to ask you to come with me and walk through because remember, bad news can be good news. And so we're going to get to the good news. We're going to see how all this bad news is actually good news in the end. So stick with me through it as we continue in our series called, called Grace Wins. Last week, we started walking through the book of Romans. And we saw that the letter of the Romans is written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians living in Rome. We saw his introduction, and we saw his thesis statement. Romans 1, 16, and 17, which is, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For the righteousness of God has been revealed through the Gospel. This is Paul's thesis. This is what the whole rest of the letter is about. And he just gets done talking about how powerful the gospel is when he brings up bad news. This is a long section of scripture that we're looking at today. That's why it's not in your worship folder. So if you want to pull out your phone and bring it up there, if you want to open up your Bible, or it's going to be on the screen so you can follow along. Alright? Romans chapter 1, 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. There are so many sections of Scripture that talk about God's love, about His compassion, about His mercy. Uh, this is not one of them. This is all about God's Wrath. God is angry. He is furious. He's red in the face. Smoke is coming off of Him. Angry. Why? As you look around the world today, what would you say makes God angry? People's actions? People's thoughts? What people say? Yes. But those are really just symptoms of the real problem. And the real problem, Paul tells us, people suppress the truth by their wickedness. They suppress the truth. What makes God angry is when people know God's truth and they push it down. And they say, I don't want that. I don't want to know you, God. I don't care. And they've suppressed that knowledge of God. But wait a minute, not everybody knows God. We're living in a a country that's becoming less and less Christian, more and more people haven't heard about the Bible, more and more people haven't heard about the God of the Bible, so they're okay, right? Paul has an answer. First, he says, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. How?" For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse." You don't have to open up the Bible to know God. God has made Himself known. Maybe not fully, maybe not completely, but people know that there's a God. How? His invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. You look at tornadoes, you look at hurricanes, you look at the earthquakes happening in California right now, and what do you what what can you say? Something is powerful out there. There is power in nature, and it's God's eternal power that people see, and his divine nature is clearly seen, Paul says. And not only that, but Paul says later on that people have consciences. They know right from wrong. Why? Because God has made Himself known this way. It's their moral compass that comes from God Himself. And so people are without an excuse. There's a commentator who says that, uh, that there are, there's no such thing as atheists. People who, who are without a God, people who, who don't believe in God... Uh, there are no such thing as atheists, he says. He says there are only anti-theists because God has made Himself known. And so if you claim to not believe in God, then it's not because God hasn't made Himself known and because you don't think that there's a God out there, it's because you're against God. Because He has made Himself clearly known. Paul continues, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Paul says, although they knew God, God has made Himself known, they knew it. They neither glorified Him nor gave Him Thanks. What were people doing? They were saying, God, I see you in nature. You've offered an invitation to me, but no thanks. I don't want to know you. I know right from wrong, but no thanks to the right, I want to do the wrong. That's what I want. I want my pleasures, my passions, my desires, my will above yours. And they suppressed the knowledge of the truth. And what did they think they were? Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. The Romans were looking around saying, look at how far we have evolved. We've evolved further and much greater than our ancestors. We are far more wiser today than they were We know how it actually is they didn't. And what does God say about them? They became fools. They became fools. Why? Because they suppressed the knowledge of the truth. Bad news number one, your first point for the day. Bad news number one, we lose when we suppress the truth. When we say, no thanks, God, I want to do what I want. I know who you are. I know what you say. I know what your will is, but no thanks. I'm going to do what's in my heart." The Bible says, God says, that His wrath is being revealed on people like that. But wait a minute. I don't see fire and brimstone coming down on people. I don't see lightning being struck from heaven. What do you mean God's wrath is being revealed? Where is it? Paul's going to tell us here in just a second. But before we get into it, I want want to remind you of the thought process here. God's wrath is being revealed. Why? People have suppressed the knowledge of the truth. Now God's wrath is being revealed. How? Paul tells us. Therefore, God gave them over. Stop. Three times in this section, we're going to see Paul say this same exact phrase. Therefore, God gave them over. You want to know what God's wrath is? It's when He looks at a human being and says, have it your way. Have it your way. That's God's wrath. Is when God says, I'm done trying with you. You've suppressed my knowledge for too long. You've suppressed the knowledge from right from wrong for too long. Go and do what you want. Go after your passions. Go after your pleasures. Go after your desires. I'm done." That's God's wrath. At times we look around our country and we wonder, how in the world have we gotten to this place? Just last week, I dropped off our, our check to be part of the 4th of July celebration, the Independence Day Festival, and I was talking with the lady at the paper, uh, and she mentioned that one thing she, she misses that went into the papers uh, was birth announcements. And she wondered, why don't people do that anymore? I said, I'll tell you exactly why. Because the hospital tells us not to, because there's human traffickers who will look at the birth announcements and come to your house acting like they're part of the hospital to steal your baby. And she looked at me and said, how has the country gotten this bad? This is the answer right here. People have suppressed the knowledge of the truth for so long, the knowledge of God for so long. They've said no thanks to God for so long. God's finally saying, go. Go. And what are we seeing? We're seeing just how perverse the human heart is. When God stops trying with you, The perversity of the human nature, the sin that is in our hearts, comes out. And that's what we're seeing. And now Paul's going to list how this looks. So again, thought process. Wrath of God's being revealed. Why? People are suppressing the knowledge of the truth. God's giving them over to their sinful desires. And now here comes all the symptoms of those sinful desires. Ready? God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them." Yikes! You talk about bad news. Paul says this is what happens when God gives people over to their desires, their wants, and their wills. And do you know what all of them have in common? They tear the fabric of society. The blessed life that God created us to have, the life that's supposed to be a blessing, gets turned into agony when people go after their pleasures, their wants, and their desires, because look at this list. And so let me ask you a tough question this morning. Where are you suppressing the knowledge of God? Where in your life is something so secretive, so protective so so much that you want to keep to yourself that you don't want God in and you don't want God to have a say Where is there a part in your life where you don't want God to meddle with and you want God just to mind his own business? Is it gossiping? That's your entertainment? God, I know what you say. I know that you say I shouldn't be talking about other people, but it's mostly public anyways. And it's my my form of entertainment. I'm not hurting anyone. Who cares? (coughs) Is it disobedience to parents and others in authority? God says to obey the authority, to respect the authority, but God, you don't understand. They don't deserve my respect. They don't deserve me to obey them. They're out of touch. They don't get it. What does God say about this? If we continue to suppress the knowledge of right from wrong, God's going to hand us over and say, have it your way. And the wrath of God is being revealed. Maybe it's not doing any of this. Uh, Maybe it's not actually doing any of this. Maybe it's the very last one. Maybe it's just approving of those who practice them. Maybe you're just tolerant of the wickedness of this world. Now let me ask you another hard question. If this describes you today, or if there's an area in your life where you've realized that you have, you've kind of kept God out, and you say, I don't want you to have a say, do you care? God is calling you to repentance today, to stop doing what you were doing and to turn around. Do you care? I hope so. I pray that you do. Because God's wrath is being revealed against those who suppress the knowledge of the truth. Scan number one is done. There's two more scans. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So, when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to Repentance. Bad news number two, we lose when we are hypocrites. We know that we're supposed to be moral and we're supposed to live up to God's expectations That we're supposed to live by the Ten Commandments. And so what do we do? We start to follow God's ways and then we look out there and we see out there and we wonder how in the world could they do that? And yet, what does God say? When you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? The answer is no. No. God's wrath is poured out on this as well. And so another tough question. Where in your life are you living hypocritically? Are you so distraught? Over the lack of love and concern for human life in this country. You cannot believe the abortion laws. And how could they kill a human being? How could they kill that baby? At six weeks, there's a heartbeat. How could we kill a baby? Millions and millions and millions of them get killed every year. And not to mention, God says that from the moment of conception, that baby's sinful. So now what? Where's that baby go? Heaven or hell? You need faith in order to get, get to heaven. Have we given that baby even a chance? How could this be? And you're so distraught. And yet, do you show a lack of love and concern for the poor? For the homeless? For those who have fallen on tough times? That's a life. Are you so distraught over, over marriage in this country and the sanctity between a man and a wife and God's creation for marriage is gone? And you're so upset by it. And yet, what does your marriage show to the rest of the world? What do Christian marriages show to the rest of the world? Husbands and wives bicker and argue. Husbands don't love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wives don't respect their husbands because they don't think they deserve it. Not to mention how many divorces happen in a Christian marriage in Christian, uh, Christian churches throughout the world. And how many young men and women, how many young Christian men and women are hooking up before marriage? And this is the example of the sanctity of the Christian marriage that, that God says. This is the example we're giving to the world. God says if you live like hypocrites, bad news. You're gonna fall under God's judgment. Scan two, last scan. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when His righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. Bad news number three we lose when we compare. What happens at this point when we hear all this bad news is we get to a point where we start to look around and we say, I I, I need saving somehow, and so how am I going to do it? I'm going to compare myself to that person. God, at least I'm not as bad as that person. And what what does God say? God will repay each person according to what they have done. God says if you want to play the compare game, you compare yourself with the Ten Commandments, with God's law. That's what the comparing goes to. And when we do, we lose. This has all been incredibly bad news. This has not been fun. And when we go through these scans, one, two, and three, what do we find? We find that we're sinful. We find that it's bad news and we need help. We need a cure. And yet remember, bad news can be good news. How is this bad news good news? Because it makes us realize that we can't save ourselves. We need to look elsewhere. We need to look out. Who can save us? Who can cleanse us? Who or what can take this all away? And we know who? Jesus. Now, this isn't found in this section of scripture. This is all bad news. But remember, this was a letter to the Romans, and the Romans wouldn't have to wait seven days to hear the good news. They would just keep reading the letter. We're just picking out a section today to focus on. But I don't want to leave you on bad news because our lives, we thrive on more joy than guilt, right? And so what's the good news? Romans 1 verse 5, Through Him we received grace. We look at all this bad news and we say, Oh my goodness, how in the world could I ever stand before God? And yet, how? It's only through grace. Do you remember what grace is? It's God's unconditional and undeserved love. We deserve God's wrath and anger, and yet what do we get? His undeserved love. Another way I've heard it put is is make it into an acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. What do you and I receive? We don't receive what we deserve. We receive God's riches instead of His wrath. Why? Because of Christ. You see, here's the good news. When we realize that we lose, grace wins. And that's your last point. That's the main point today. When we lose, grace wins. And that's how bad news is good news. Because when we lose, we turn to the only thing that we could, and it's grace. And I have a picture that I think describes it even better. This is grace. All of that fire is God's wrath. All of it over our sins. And yet, look at Jesus. Grace is the fact that our God became flesh. Grace is the fact that Jesus took all of the wrath that we deserve. He was our wrath-absorbing sacrifice. He absorbed it all so that we would never, never face it. Instead, look what happens. His blood covers us. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Though our sins were as scarlet, He has made them white as snow through the blood of Christ. Though we deserve wrath, we receive forgiveness. Though we deserve anger and justice, we receive grace and mercy and forgiveness. You see, this is why grace is so important. This is why it's important to hear the bad news, to hear the scan of our our souls, of our hearts. Because then we turn to, to grace, And when we turn to grace, we realize grace wins. Our sins are forgiven. Wrath has been held off from us because it's been absorbed by our Lord and Savior Jesus. And so here's my promise to you. I will forever continue to tell you the bad news because we need to hear the bad news because then we can turn to the good news. The only good news that there is, and that is grace. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, which you and I receive. So this week, praise God, because it's only grace that covers us. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, what, what an incredible God that you are, that you would leave your throne in heaven, that you would take on human flesh, uh, and that you would live like us. Uh, That is incredible in and of itself. But even more incredible is that you would absorb all of the wrath of God, all of God's wrath over our sin. You absorbed it so we would never face it. Instead, you cover us with your blood so that we are whiter than snow. We are like wool in your sight, purified, completely, totally, sin taken away, forgiven and loved by you. What an amazing God that you are. Help us to honor you and love you with our lives. Help us to turn from sin and live in repentance every day out of thanks for what you have done. Amen.